We're going to be in Judges chapter 6. Are you guys ready for a word today? Come on. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. If not, I'll go sit down. Amen. I've already did this once. <laughs> no, I'm excited about, about this word that God given me for, for our, our body, man. I, I believe it's going to encourage a lot of you today. Amen. Because I felt like the Lord spoke to me very clearly that this, this word is for certain individuals with, within the body. And that it's going to encourage you for where you are today. Judges chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 11, and this is what it says. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Ophrah. Not that God sat with Oprah, it's he sat at Ophrah. I know Oprah fans are like, yeah, I knew it. I knew God was with her. Like, Hallelujah. And, and it could be, but that's not what this word says. Okay, Ophrah's a place which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring you up out of, out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Don't I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. Come on, touch your neighbor, encourage them, and tell them, Say, The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Sometimes it's good to be reminded that God is with us, that we can't outrun his grace, that we can't outrun his love, that there's, there's nothing that can separate us, no height nor depth can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. It's good to be reminded of that. Amen. But I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as, as one man. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that God, it divides bone from marrow and, and spirit from soul. Lord, your word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And, and God, as we open your word, I pray that our faith would be increased in this place. Our faith and in who you are, Jesus. Take us from glory to glory and faith to faith today, I pray. By the power of your spoken word, your written word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, hug three people, high five four. That's seven people in total. Tell them, say, God sees, God sees, God sees. Amen. Well, I know I'm excited because you all have decided to, to join us today. Amen. I'll tell you, there's, there's no place I'd rather be than, than in the presence of God, surrounded by the people of God. Opening up the word of the word of God. What a what an incredible privilege that all of us have that where we get to come in week in and week out and experience the the tangible person of who Jesus of who Jesus is. It's it's amazing and we should never take it for granted, but rather we should be grateful 
uh, for it because there's people all across the world who, who can't do what we're doing right now because it's illegal to do so. And so what an incredible privilege we have to live in such an amazing country with the freedoms that we have and to be able to come in together and seek after God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to jump right into a new scene that goes right along with our year-long series titled The Saga of Salvation. Because remember, throughout this year, we're going to go throughout the scriptures, touching on the majority of the major stories in the scriptures. And we're calling these stories scenes because that's what the Bible is. It is a bunch of, of different scenes made up of a bunch of different people that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago that took place thousands and thousands of, of years ago. That's what, the, that's what the Bible is. And so we're going to go through a bunch of these different, different scenes and for one purpose and one reason only, because each scene is pointing to one story. Every single thing in scripture points to one person and his name is Jesus. And this is why, why we're doing this. And, and the reason also the Lord wanted us to, to do this is because, man, it's really important for us to know why we believe what we believe. Super important so that when people ask us, why, why do you believe this? You, you have a response to give them. It's not just because the pastor with, with the Jordans on said so. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. The reason I believe this is my response is as such because God did dot, 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 dot. And how many of you know your response is faith? Did you know that? It's, it's faith. It's through grace by faith that you are saved, lest no man shall, shall boast. And so that's our response is, is faith. The other, the other reason why we, we should know these different stories of, in God's word is because when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which it's not if the enemy comes, it's when he comes. Scripture actually tells us he is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, that he is a roaring lion, roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. That's what the Bible says, that sin crouches at our door, waiting for a moment. So it's not if he comes, it's when he comes. And if we know God's word, we can proclaim God's word over and against the enemy because it's God's word that gives us victory over the enemy. It's his word that does that, not your ability, not your good looks, although you're good looking. That's not gonna save you against the enemy. Someone likes the way they look, I love it. I love it, glory. But that's why it's so important to know God's word, guys, so that we can proclaim it when the enemy comes. Amen, amen. And today we're gonna jump right into this new scene that we are titling Judges. Come on, touch your neighbor, say, don't judge me. Come on, tell them, don't judge me. Tell them, say, <laughs> so don't hate the player, hate the game. You know what I mean? Like, don't hate the player, hate the game. Don't judge me. Yeah. No, but <clears throat> we're going to jump into the book of Judges is the reason we're calling the scene Judges. It makes sense, right? It's pretty simple. We thought we'd keep it straightforward. And to be honest, I couldn't think of a better title than that. So we just went with, went with that. But listen, this scene that we are going to go through, we only got time to go through a couple different scenes. Only going to be able to hit on a couple because we just don't have the time to go through all the different scenes within this one scene to see all the things that God did through all these, these judges. And, and so we're only going to be able to go through, through a couple, but, but I am believing that God is going to, to be speaking to each and every one of us 
through the scenes we're gonna talk about in order to help us get through the current scene we are facing in this life, right? And that's what the amazing things about God's word, it's a beautiful thing, that even though it was written thousands of years ago, took place with a bunch of people that we obviously don't know and never have seen, it is just as powerful today just as relevant for today, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that the heaven and earth may pass away, but his word remains, because it's the living word of God. That's, that's, what, this, that's what this is. Oops, I'm gonna drop my timer. My wife said, set your timer. You went too long last service. So I had to set a timer, praise God. I do try to be obedient at times. But it's the living word of God, guys, and and so it's important, but I am believing God's going to speak to us through these different scenes to, to help us through we, where we are currently in, in life. And so we're going to hit on two of the judges out of the 15 judges. There's 15 different judges. Now, I'm not going to attempt to, 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 to name all the judges because it's really hard to pronounce most of their names. And I didn't want to sound stupid. And I actually, I, I, tried to find, I tried to find each of the names. Like they have apps where the app will speak to you and tell you how to pronounce it. I literally look forever. I'm like, okay, how do I say that name? And couldn't find it. So I said, you know what? I just won't say any of them. But there's 15. And look, we're only gonna go through two, but I do encourage you this, man. Go home and read this book, man. Judges, it's an incredible incredible story. I mean, it'll hold your attention really, really well. So, so go back and read of, of all the things that God done through all these different people that he raised up. But we're just going to go through two. So Judges chapter one, it starts off saying this. Now Joshua is dead, right? So their leader is gone. The one that they look to for direction is no longer with them. And so they're put in this really difficult situation now. But it's kind of cool what they do here at the very beginning because they do the right thing by asking God for his direction over their life. How many of you realize the importance of seeking God for his direction for your life? Do you, do you know that? Super important. And listen, and I'm not saying that you choose a direction and ask God to bless it. These two ain't synonymous. Like they're, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing because a lot of times this is, this is what we do. We want what we want, so we actually don't want to ask God what he wants because it may be contrary to what we want. And so then we just make a decision that we want to make, and then we ask God, God, bless this decision I've made. As if God is responsible to bless what we choose. It's just not the way it, the way it is. And when, and when the bad comes, we want to blame God for, for the bad that we are experiencing, even though it's our decisions and our choices that have led to the bad that we are experiencing in life because scripture says that we reap what we sow we reap what we sow you know i have a lot of people that come to me and ask me for direction in their life a bunch of people and it comes with the call right they come in they think i got a red phone to god or something like i just pick up the red phone like lord jesus is on the main line telling what you want you know what i mean like but they'll come to me and ask me for direction and, and i'm quick to point them right back to god so quick, because I, I warn them, man, you gotta seek God for his direction. Because here's what I find with us people. A lot of times we base our direction off of what we think we see is successful. That, that's, that's what we do. We, oh, I see that that could be successful, so, so I, do, I do that. And we fa fail to realize that it's God who sees. Come on, touch your neighbor, say God sees. Tell him, God sees. We're gonna get this in our heart today. 
God sees. It's God who, who sees. He sees every crooked path. He says he sees every angle. He sees every scheme of the enemy before the enemy can ever even bring it to you. This is why it's so important to see what, what God sees. God is the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He is omnipresent. Meaning this, he is everywhere at the same time. Hard for us to wrap our minds around this. And that's not just meaning like in a situation. That even means time. It transcends time. He's standing before time, in time, and after time. This is how amazing God is. This is why it's so important to ask him for his direction because he sees it all. And he's seeing how every decision that you are making is affecting your future. He sees every single one of them. We can only see the immediate. What's right, right in front of us is all we are able to see. And because of how limited we are in this area of life, we choose direction based off of what we see as success. And so we, we take a job because the pay is better. Well, it makes sense. The pay is better. I'll, I'll take the job. We, we, we take a job with a different location because we like the location better. That well, makes sense. It must be what God wants for me because it's what I, what I want. And so often I see so many people follow a job or follow a direction based off location or based off of pay, not even asking the Lord's direction whatsoever, not even pay him any, any mind. And then they get it. And all of a sudden within just a few, few months, man, marriages are falling apart. Kids are, are a complete wreck because this new position that they have taken has now pulled them away from their home all the time. So they're never home with their spouse. Pulls them away from church, so now they're further away from God. This, this, new, this new location that they're in, it's a bigger city, so there's a whole lot more people and their kids are having a whole lot of trouble finding friends and they fall into the wrong group because they wanna be accepted by someone and so they, they fall into the next thing you know, just a few short months or years, marriages are ruined, children are a wreck. All these things are happening because they didn't ask God for direction. Instead, they thought they could make a direction, choose a direction, then tell God to bless it. And that's just not the way it works. Scripture says it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, all these other things, the promotions, the possessions, the, the authorities, the positions, all these other things will be added unto you. All of them will be if it leads you closer to Jesus. If they're gonna take you away from Jesus, God don't want you to have them. He doesn't want you to have a great job because it makes you a lot of money if it's gonna pull you away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because God's a whole lot more concerned with your soul than your happiness. What? Us Americans, what? I'm gonna be happy. God's like, I want your soul with me. That's what I want. What would it profit a man to gain the whole stinking world but forfeit their soul? This is why we gotta see what God sees and ask God for his direction. So often I see people, man, they're making all these decisions, never asking God for any direction, none. Especially when it comes to relationship and it boggles my mind. Single people, don't be stupid. For real, I'm gonna be really straight, straightforward. Don't be stupid. Don't be if the people you are starting to like don't love Jesus, run like they've got the plague. For real, get out. 
take off running. And God actually makes this really simple because God's word says don't be unequally yoked. Meaning that if they don't love Jesus, you run. If they do love Jesus, you pray. Jesus, are they the ones for me? If they don't love you, you ain't gotta pray about nothing. You just, you just get out. And I know there's some people that say, well, pastor, you know, the Lord sent me to save them. Wrong. Jesus came to save them, not you. Believe that. That's why I've seen so many statistics of people who, who think they're there to save their spouse and it's the other way around. If the wisest man in all the world, Solomon, that was ever born, period, end up falling away from God because of a woman, I'm just saying. Be smart men and women. Go after those who love Jesus and your life will go a whole lot easier for you. Amen. Amen. But we have to be a people who seek God and his direction for our lives. And, and this is what we see the Israelites doing in Judges chapter 1. That's what we see. They're seeking God here at the beginning for their direction. But as you continue to read further on in this scene, you realize that they stop seeking God for direction. And the scripture says that each one did according to what they seemed good. Sounds pretty familiar. Sounds pretty familiar. A lot of people doing what they think seems good to them, not even paying any mind to God. And this is what is happening with the, with the people in Judges. And so they begin to cry out to God because again, whatsoever a man sows, that also shall they reap. So if you sow evil, you'll reap evil. If you sow good, you'll reap good. If you sow God, you will reap God. Which by the way, there's nothing better to sow than, than God which is his word, because his word is, man, it's, it's inexhaustible knowledge and wisdom and, and love and mercy. So whatever we, we, we sow, that's also shall we, we reap. And, and this is what God's people are dealing with. They, they sowed evil, and so now they're reaping evil. And God says, okay, fine. If this is the way you wanna live, if you wanna, you wanna worship foreign gods, if you wanna bow down to these foreign gods, then I'm gonna give you exactly what you want. I'm gonna turn you over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have what you want. God is gracious. He even gives us what we want. He says he gives us the desires of our heart. That's why it's so important to seek God and have our desires aligned with his desires because I don't wanna be given up to desires if they're unaligned with him. I do not. The world can keep it. I want him. But his people, man, they, they get turned over to their enemies because they wanna live like their, their enemies live. And because of this, the people are, are really getting beat up by their, by their enemies. All the good that God had promised them in their promised land is now being plundered by their enemies. So they begin to cry out to God. And, and because God is, is gracious and because he's kind and because he's loving and because he doesn't hold a grudge like my wife, come on somebody. God, God I'm, also, I'm, I'm kidding, babe. But... Don't hold a grudge. I'm giving her a chance right now to prove me wrong. But, <clears throat> but because God doesn't do that, the moment they repent, God comes and shows up for them. And what he does is he raises up judges on behalf of them. And the scripture says that as long as the judges were around, the people did what was right in God's sight. But the moment there was a law in between the judges, 
where they didn't have any direction because they were no longer looking to God for direction. They were trying to look to man for direction. And the moment the judges were now gone and absent, they would return to their wicked ways is what the scripture says. But God in his, in his grace, he raises up 15 judges to help mitigate the responses they were, they were living to God. 15 different people. And, and these judges were the grace of God on the people of God. It was God pouring out his grace by raising up, raising up these, these judges. He could have let them just, you can have what you want. You, you've desired this, so you can just, you, you can have all the evil you, you want to give. But instead, because he's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, because his mercies and grace are brand new every single morning, he raises up these judges to rescue his people, to love his people, to save his people, to cover and to fight for his people. Man, are you glad for the grace of God this morning that covers you? How many of you are so glad for his grace? Amen. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and because he did it for them back then, he's faithful to do it again today for us. We're all covered by his, his grace. We're covered by his love. We're, we've been saved by him. We've been redeemed by him. And Scripture says that he even dances over us while we're unaware, that, that the thoughts he has towards you outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. Think about it. That's incredible. I don't know how much that is, but that's a lot. That's the point. It's, it's unending, and this is, this is how God is towards us, and we see in judges that he's the same way towards them. And So he raises up these different judges, and one of them is Gideon. One of the judges is, is a man named Gideon. And Gideon's story is a, is a story of what God sees. Touch your neighbor, say God sees. Tell him, say God sees, God sees, God sees. It really is, it's a story of what, of what God sees. See, see, Gideon is this man from a very small clan. Matter of fact, when God comes to him, this is what Gideon responds to him. He says, God, why are you talking to me? Why are you calling out to me? Why are you trying to raise me? I'm from, the I'm from the smallest clan in all of Israel. And my family is, is the least in that clan and I'm the least in my father's house. In other words, God, I'm the weakest, I'm the scaredest, and there's nothing no one could use me for. Right? And this, is, this is what Gideon sees. But what God sees in Gideon is completely different than, than what Gideon sees in his, in his own self. Now, what's interesting to me, though, is, is this, that Gideon's response is a response to the situation he finds himself in. That's how he's responding. He's responding to what he sees, right? We, that's how we respond in life. We, we, if we can see it, we can respond to it. And, and so this is what Gideon, Gideon does. And, and the Lord comes to him while he's hiding in a wine press. He is scared to death of the enemy. He's scared to death. And the enemy is the Midianites, right? And, and scripture says this, that, that the Midianites were taking everything, devouring everything that Gideon and the Israelites had. Matter of fact, it says in Judges chapter six at the very beginning, it says this, that they come, they came like a swarm of locusts devouring all the good in the land. This is how the Bible depicts these, these enemies that that not one oxen, not one sheep, not one goat, not one camel, not one bit of livestock was left 
when the Midianites would come in and the people of the east would come in and raid and plunder Israel. And this is what Gideon sees, right? This is what he, what he sees. They, they come and they lay waste to the entire land. And, and now because of this is what he sees, this is how he's responding to God. Like, God, I'm the weakest, I'm the, I'm the scaredest. And it's funny because as they, they cry out, now the people of God are crying out outside of Gideon. They're crying out to God on their own. And, and, and God says this to them. It's kind of wild because he begins to explain to them why all this is happening to them. He says, the reason you're experiencing all this trouble is you're reaping what you have sowed. It's an incredible point that we've got to glean from. They didn't seek God or his direction. And so now they are dealing with the repercussions of all their decisions. They're living in sin and and the wages of sin is death. And so they're experiencing all this, this death. And I know that this is not a very popular subject in church anymore. It's not a very popular subject, but it's a very necessary subject to talk about us living a life, being obedient to what God has told us to live like. And this is not legalism. This is called surrenderance. It ain't legalism. For the call to holiness is, is God's call to us. Right? But it's not very, very popular. See, if we live a life that is disobedient to God's word and his ways, then we can't expect God to be blessing our ways. We can't expect God to, to show up and, and bless our lives when our, our lives is just filled with living in sin. And again, I'm not talking about momentary failures. We, we all fall short of the glory of God. That scripture, it's real, it happens. We're fallen people, I get it. I'm talking about a choice every single day to wake up and continue living in the sin you've been living in. Not a heart that says, God, forgive me for this. And, and we fight hard and we strive Jesus. I don't wanna live like that. Not, not that heart, but the heart that says, you know, ah, God's cool with how I live. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm, I'm doing because God will, will bless me anyway. If this is the way we live, then the things that we are facing is a result of the things that we've been doing, the way we've been living. We will always reap what we have sown. And this is what we see in Judges chapter six. The people are reaping what they have, what they have sown. And Gideon sees it, and so he responds to God in this way. He says, I'm the weakest, I'm the scaredest, I'm, I'm in hiding because of all of my insecurities and, and because the enemy is bearing down around me and he's beating the crap out of me, is what he says. But the cool thing about God is is this. The moment they repent, the moment they repent, God shows up on their behalf. And his response to showing up on their cry was to raise up Gideon. That was his response. And what what God sees is not what Gideon sees. See, Gideon sees a, a weak man. God sees a humble man. Gideon sees a scared man. God sees a mighty man. That's what he says to him, you mighty man of valor. And he's hiding. So so Gideon sees scared, God sees mighty. Gideon sees defeat, God sees victory. See, See, Gideon sees nothing but failure, but God sees faith. Because God always looks through the lens of faith, not through the eyes of failure. That's just who God is. And I really felt like this morning that there are some people here in this place that need to be encouraged by this word because you've been facing really difficult times and difficult trials. 
right? You've been facing these things and you've experienced a whole lot of failures in your life. Now look, if that isn't you, then that's okay. Praise God for you. I'm talking to those of you who've had so many things come against you, so many failures happening around you that you feel like you can never be used by anyone or anything. See, God wants you to know that he doesn't see your failures, he sees your faith. And let me tell you why he says this. To each one I've given a measure of faith. That's the word of God. I've given each one a measure of faith. And because the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, I choose to focus on the faith that I have given my people. Because the moment they realize the faith they've been given, they'll no longer allow the enemy to beat up on them because they'll realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith takes us from beat up to built up. Just a little bit, from, from least to the, to the greatest. Just a little bit of faith takes you from bound to free, from broken to complete, from, from rejected to accepted. Just a little bit of faith. See, the Lord wants wants us to realize that he sees what's on the inside, not at what is plaguing us on the outside. God sees the faith that is at work within us, the measure of faith that he's already given us. Matter of fact, you follow Jesus throughout the scriptures. He says, according to your faith, let it be done. According to the faith that is at work within you, let it be, let it be done, because each have been given. So God's not looking through eyes of failure. He's looking through the eyes of faith and what he's given you. Even though everything on the outside doesn't speak to what God is, is seeing. This is what's happening with Gideon. Nothing is, is, is speaking to Gideon about what God is, is seeing. Everything looks bad, but guess what? Nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is what God sees. Not with what we, we see or what people say. It's what God sees that, that matters. And so God raises Gideon up as a judge. God causes Gideon to tap into the faith that God had already given him. And right away, he begins to destroy the works of the enemy, right away. And if we jump over to Judges chapter seven, right? We fast forward to Judges chapter seven. We actually see Gideon revert a little bit. He reverts some. Because look, so God says, I want you to go and fight against the Midianites. That's what I want you to do. And so Gideon does exactly what God says. He goes and he rallies all the fighting men and he brings them in. And, 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 and as he brings them to God, God says, oh, no, no, there's too many of them. There's too many that are willing to fight. Listen, you'll never hear me tell you that there's too many volunteers. I'm just saying, keep volunteering. I need you. God's different than me. But anyway, he says, there's too many. I can't give you the battle if you fight with this many. Because I see that if I do, then you'll take all the credit for yourself. And I love this because this is God protecting them from them. He's saying, I see this before time. I see that if, if they go out and fight with these 32,000 men, they're gonna take all the credit for the victory that, they, that they're walking in. And I need them to avoid it. And so, they, so he tells Gideon, no, there's, there's, there's too many. Because here's God... God is concerned with keeping us humble. You know why? Because he exalts the humble and he resists the proud. 
So when we start getting prideful, God is resisting every part of us. And I don't know about any of you. I don't need the creator of all things to resist me or to oppose me. I need him fighting for me, not against me. And so God wants to keep them humble so that he can exalt them. And he tells Gideon, man, get, you gotta get rid of them. You gotta get rid of some of them. And this is what he says how to do it. He says, go and proclaim in their ears. If you're scared, go home. Touch your neighbor, say, I ain't never scared. Tell them, say, I ain't never scared. I ain't never scared. Tell them, say, scared money don't make no money. <laughs> scared money don't make no That ain't got nothing to do with the message. I just like the saying. <clears throat> Little pop culture while we're going through scripture. Amen. But he says, if they're scared, tell them to go home. Tell them to go home. And did you know 22,000 men left? Left him with 10,000. 22,000 were scared. Touch your neighbor, say, I ain't never scared. Tell them, I ain't never scared. I ain't never scared. And only 10,000 remained. And Gideon was probably like at this moment, like, Okay, this isn't good. I had 32,000, now I only got 10. But, but I guess it's gonna have to do because God said so. And I'm not seeing what God is seeing, but okay, I can still see how I could win the victory with the 10,000. I, I can see how I can still battle plan. I can put this five over here, these two here, this one here, this 50 here, that 100 over there. I can see how I can still surround the enemy in their camp. I can, I can still see us winning the victory. But God doesn't stop at the 22,000. He doesn't stop at the 10,000 either. He doesn't stop there. He says, so I want you to, to take these men down, because you still have too many. So I want you to take the men down to the, down to the river. I want you to take them down to the river. And I want you to have them drink out of the river. And the ones that go after it, I love this. And the men who go after, how many men I got in here that's gonna go after Jesus? How many? Any of you? Amen. And we're just gonna go after him, hungry for him, thirsty for him, to live only for him and him alone. He says, the men that go after it, they just stick their face right down in the river, start lapping it up like a dog. That's what it says in scripture, read it. If they lap it up like a dog, I want you to separate them over here. But the men that go over and get down real nice and pretty, you know, on their knee, which would be me, by the way. I wouldn't want to scuff the Jordans. Like, you know, so, and they say, if they bend down on one knee and they begin to drink from the river that way, I want you to separate them two. So after he separates these two groups of men, the one group that just went after it was 300. The other group that knelt down was 9,700. And God looks at Gideon and says, Send the 9,700 home because I'm going to use the 300 to give you victory. How many of you realize that God only needs a few that's hungry and thirsty for him to take everything that the enemy has stolen from them? He only needs a few that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness because he will fill those few. Amen. And so he takes the 300, says, I'm going to give you into their, I'm going to give your enemy into your hands. But it's, it's wild because, see, Gideon still is not seeing what God sees. And you know how I know that to be true? This is how. Because right after God makes the statement, I'm going to give you the, the battle with the 300, right after it, he makes the next statement. But if you're scared. Touch your neighbor. Say, I'm never scared. Tell them, I ain't never scared. I ain't never scared. But if you're scared, 
if you can't see what I have seen, if you, if you can't see it, then, then go down to the enemy's camp and spy on them and listen to them. Listen for what they are saying about you. This is, this is what it says. And here he goes down to the Midianites and sure enough, it's exactly what God had said. Listen to me, church. God wants to get us to this place where our faith dictates what we see, not with what we see dictates our faith. Did you hear me? God wants to get you to a place in your life and in your walk with him that no longer what you are seeing dictates the God you are serving, but rather the God you serve and the faith you have in him dictates everything you see on this earth. You see everything as an opportunity. Everything becomes an opportunity. Oh, okay, sweet. We'll go through this. Lord, I'll strap my boots up and I'm gonna stick with you because you stick closer to me than a brother and I'm gonna come out of this the other side more holy and more hungry than I went into it because I ain't never scared. This is what God is trying to do. You know why? This is why scripture says that you walk by faith, not by sight. That's why it tells us that. You walk by faith, not by sight because what you see isn't gonna line up with what God is seeing or what God is saying, either one. Scripture says that we are live, to live according to the spirit, not the flesh. Why? Because our flesh will always respond to what it sees. Always. And the, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And so this is the way we have to live. If we live based off of what we see with our natural eyes, Scripture says this, we will be like the waves tossed to and fro by the winds. And that person can't expect to receive anything from God at all because without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is why it's so important to see what God sees. Even if it means to look past all the stats. Did you know that, that stats and facts don't dictate your faith? It just doesn't. My life has been literally a picture of God defying all odds to take me to where I am. He defied every odd, every statistic, every doctor's opinion, every single one of them. Because he isn't concerned with the, the stats or the facts. He's not concerned with the odds. He's concerned with us and our surrender to him. He's not concerned with our failures because he's looking through the eyes of, of faith. This is the God we serve, but see God, he desires for us to see what he sees. And so he, he tells Gideon, go down, check it out, check out the enemy's camp because I really want you to see it. And, and I love you and I'm slow to anger. So I'm gonna go ahead and let you go down there and, and hear what they are saying. And scripture says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So God speaks to Gideon. I'm gonna give them into your hands, but go down and hear it again for yourself. He goes down and hears the enemy saying that God has already given them into, given us into their, their hands. And so boom, his faith arises. He has a renewed faith in that moment. And he sees how God is going to give him the victory. Gideon sees how odds don't matter, how, how many soldiers they have doesn't matter. He sees how, how God actually turns his enemies against themselves. How awesome is that? Go ahead, enemy, keep fighting me, keep oppressing me, because soon God is gonna cause you to turn against yourself and you'll kill each other. You'll eat each other up. And this is what happens. In this, in this story, and it's, it's amazing. God wants us to see through the eyes of faith, 
not through the eyes of, of failure. Come on, stand to your feet, please. You know, when I was, when I was reading through the, the book of Judges and, and just admiring all that God had done for them, because it's incredible, all the things that God used these judges for, powerful exploits that they went on, how they covered God's people, it was amazing. But as I was reading through this, right, and reflecting on it, God starts speaking to me about what he's given to us today. So scripture says that we are under the better covenant, the new covenant, that where sin abounds, grace has abounded all the more. So God's grace is in more abundance today than it's ever been. Right now, in the time we live in, right this minute, his grace is so big and so wide that nothing can separate us from his love. This is how great his grace is. And as I'm seeing this and how God defied all the odds for his people, Israel, during these times with the judges and throughout their history, I start to realize how much he's defied the odds for us through his son, Jesus. Scripture says that through one man's sin, the many were made sinners, but through one man's sacrifice, the many were made righteous. This is what God did through Jesus for us defying every odd. Why did he do it? Here's why he did it. Because we couldn't do it for ourselves. It's that simple. We couldn't live for him outside of him. It couldn't happen. We couldn't, we couldn't become right with him unless he did it for us through him. God raised up 15 different judges to help these people. But scripture says we have one judge, only one. And he will judge righteously and justly over all. And you know what I was thinking about in that? Because this is crazy cool. That the one that is going to judge me is the one that gave his life for me. The one that's going to judge me is the one that hung himself on the cross. Jesus says, no one takes my life, but I freely give it. And the one that one day I'm going to stand before, and he's going to judge me for all that I've done, is the one that died for me. The one that calls me son, the one that calls me friend, the one that, it's incredible. It's incredible. Jesus is He's righteous, he's holy, he's perfect. And he gave his life so that you could have life and life more abundantly. That's why he did it. That's why he did it. And here's the fact, guys, about the battle that we face today. We can't see it. Scripture says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities, against authorities over this present darkness. Principalities meaning they have dominion. Demons that have dominion over regions. They're real, they're there. We just can't see them. And because the battle we are facing, we cannot see, we have to see the way God sees. 
We have to. We have to see through the eyes of faith because it can be really scary if we get our eyes off of him and put them on ourselves. We've got to see that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We have to see that God made him sin who knew no sin so that we could be called the righteousness of God through him. We've got to see we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. See that Jesus is for us and, and because he's for us, who can stand against us? This is what we have to see. Even if all of life tells us something different. We gotta believe it by faith. Do you know this, that if you've given your life to Christ, the Bible says that he takes your sin, he throws it as far as the east is from the west. He tosses it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up before you again. That love keeps no tally of wrongdoings. God's not listing off the things you've done wrong and then holding them in, in reserve until you come to him so he can throw it up in your face. I don't know. Scripture says now when he looks upon you, if you've covered yourself in the blood of Jesus, the only thing he sees on you is the blood of his son, not the sins you've committed. It's incredible. See, I realized how, how dead in my sin and my trespasses I was. And what an amazing grace that now I stand before the Father as though I've never sinned, never done anything wrong because that's how powerful his blood is. So look, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ or you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never been that serious about going after Jesus, you've been more interested in playing church instead of being the church, today's your day. The Lord has showed up here for a divine appointment for you. See, before the foundations of the world was formed, the Lamb of God was slain for you. For you. It's incredible. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, for those of you who are experiencing really difficult trials in your lives, God wants you to know that he sees you. He sees your faith. And he's going to be faithful even if you haven't been faithful. Because he's gracious. And he loves you. And he wants you to know that this morning he is going to continue to fight for you. Continue to walk with you through whatever it is you're going through. You just have to turn your eyes to him. That's it. And for those of you who have never given your lives to Christ or you have and you're far from God at this moment and you know it, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand right where you're at because there's no reason to leave this place the same way that you've come in. We can leave this place with security and eternity if we've given our hearts to Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your people this morning. I thank you that, God, you have called us sons and daughters, that you have given us the, the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Lord, I pray that we would all walk in that, in that reality of what you see in us, that we are your, your children 
that we would see this love that you've lavished upon us, that we, that we are called your children, Father. I pray that right now. And those that are, are going through hard times right now, Father, I pray that they would see how you see after today. And I pray for all of us, Jesus, that you would interrupt our lives. That God, you would shake our lives. That Jesus, you would fill our lives with your spirit and with your presence, I pray. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that they're here today to hear from you. So honor that, I pray. Touch them. Touch them. In Jesus' name. Amen.